0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Chasing Excellence. My name is Patrick Cummings. And as always, I am here with Ben Bergeron every week on the show. We dedicate some time to exploring how we can live a life of better health and increased fulfillment. We answer your questions about the five factors of health, dive deep on living a life of excellence, and explore the strategies and frameworks to help us chase what truly matters. Thank you so much, as always, for joining us this week. How are you, Ben? I'm good. We uh, what do we got this week? We've got listener questions about trying to make the CrossFit games while also trying to kick ass into our 90s, mindfulness in the middle of a MetCon, cheat meals, and more. Our workout this week is going to be uh, a question about building connection and fighting loneliness as we get older. And uh, we're going to wrap this up uh, with another round of our recommendation roundup, where we just give some recommendations on books, movies, podcasts, whatever else we are enjoying. Ready? Let's roll. Our warm-up, we start each workout. Or we start each workout. We do start each workout with a warm-up. We start each episode with your questions about the five factors of health, those few fundamental behaviors that most positively affect our performance, vitality, and longevity. Those five factors are how we eat, how we move, how we think, how we connect, and how we recover. This first question is in our move category. It's from Robin. She asks, I'm a 55-year-old competitive female Masters CrossFit athlete. I have a goal of making the games, but I also have a goal of kicking ass well into my 90s. Are those two goals mutually exclusive?
1: No, they are not. And we've done the research to kind of show this. We took uh, um, blood work from a whole group of CrossFit athletes, people that went to our gym, and not surprising, they the markers were better than the population. Mm. But what was really interesting I did not expect was this kind of goes in you know flies in the face of some of the stuff is the more people committed to this, meaning that the people that did this the most and the people particularly the competitors had the best blood work. Mm. So are they mutually exclusive? No, but here's the difference is, you could train yourself into some orthopedic issues, Mm -hmm. right? So you might uh, wear down a knee a little bit. You might wear down a shoulder a little bit. But in terms of the kicking ass in your 90s, the longevity play and the health markers associated with it, no, they're they're actually completely in a line.
0: Mm. Is that specific to what you were looking at, was that specific to a certain age demographic? Or no, we would broke you be it able down, to
1: extend that even to twenties yeah. and thirties? Yep. So we did it, we did it across uh the spectrum and then we broke it down to subcategories mm-hmm. from um male, female, age groups and um the amount that they train and what their goals were.
0: Interesting. And then is there a point, you imagine that the training would be get you would tip that balance a little bit and it would affect no, that's that, that's or is that that's even, what everyone says. Yeah. That's what
1: everyone's saying is, yeah, it's healthy to a point. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not what we saw. It was, it continued to get healthier and healthier and healthier as you went farther and farther and farther into the more intense training.
0: Interesting. All right, our next question is from Jacqueline. It is in our Think category. She says, I have been a longtime member, nearly five years of a CrossFit affiliate in Alaska. I'm currently a graduate student in a counseling psychology program. I have incorporated recovery into my routine for most uh, of this time, such as stretching, yoga, prayer, meditation. It wasn't until recently that I realized the power of mindfulness during workouts, though. Recently, I did a workout that included several rounds of rowing, burpees, and running. I had a plan for, ma- uh, for maintaining intensity on the burpees and executed that. For a long time, I've enjoyed cons because I feel it's a rest from thinking and being in my own head and I get to just move my body. But when I really applied myself and was present, pushing myself through the burpees, I was very happy with my performance. Hmm. What are some ways that CrossFit affiliates and or coaches can or have brought attention to this? I appreciate cues from coaches like great work, push harder, but I wonder if there's a more applied way to increase awareness.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I love that she started with, first off, super cool that she's following us from Alaska and psychology and CrossFit and all the rest. But the great part is that she's she had this epiphany she had this realization she had this awareness and she's using the word awareness mm-hmm. that's the fir- so we can step function this thing step one is and it sounds ridiculous probably to the people that listen to the show because we take it for for granted essentially. but step one is are you aware that there is a voice in your head? Mm-hmm. and Jacqueline just recently had that epiphany that it's happening in her head when she is working out. That's really, so can, is there a way that coaches can go beyond the cheerleader of good job, keep pushing? Yes. And it starts with asking the athletes, asking the members to listen to the voice inside their head. That's really, you have to become aware of it. She's using the right words. Is there a way that we can become more aware of this? That's it from there once you have this level of awareness then understand what is that voice saying and let's put in two easy categories is that coach is that voice a coach or is it a critic and a critic just let's understand what that is a critic sits on the sidelines is not in the game and just points out the faults of the one participating that's what a critic does. This is where it went wrong. This is where they stumbled. This is where they fell. Whereas a coach is productively trying to improve the performance of the athlete. And we just want to get our, then from there, there's a whole host of tools that we could use to try to edge away from that critic. And we're all going to have a critic at some point. It doesn't, go, it doesn't go to zero, but we want that to be edging towards the coach and not the critic. That's what's amazing about the way that we train is that it's challenging enough that the critic is going to pop up. Mm-hmm. And at some point in your life, the critic is going to pop up. And what we need is the tools to be able to move in real time from that critic to a coach. And that's how, which one would you want walking around with you when everything you do? Like you're about to go into a, a public speaking presentation and you, would you rather have the critic going like, you suck at this, this and say, you're a terrible public speaker. They're not going to listen to you. They're, they're certainly not going to fall for you. What you're trying to say, you, you imposter. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a, that's a, a horrific way to go through any experience. Or do you want to coach? Just remember, look them in the eye and you're talking, you know how to talk incredibly well. You've been doing this for decades and decades and decades. This is no different Go in there and have a conversation with these people about this subject that you know so, so well, way better than they, than you, they do. They don't know you have a script that you're trying to follow. If you go off the script, no big deal. You're just talking to these people. And all of a sudden, like if we could bring that to every aspect of our lives, our lives improve in a magnitude that we probably can't predict. Mm-hmm. So that's what we want to be able to do in the the, the workout is that training grounds for that. And that's what's so powerful, what Jacqueline just went through. Whoa, when I had this awareness, this mindfulness of this voice in my head during the burpees, and I was intentional with trying to steer this in the right direction, I was really happy with the results. Mm-hmm. That's what we should be trying to do as coaches to get people aware of that, not just good job, Bill, you push harder. That's kind of, uh, you know, I think of it in terms of, are you a cheerleader as a coach? Rank yourself. Are you a cheerleader? Are you a trainer? Or are you a coach? Cheerleader is there for that. It's like what you get in spin class. Let's go guys. Time to go. We're climbing the mountain. Like, woo, like the rah, rah. The trainer will talk to you about points of performance. Get your knees out, weight back in your heels, get your elbows up. Okay. Let's try to pace this thing this way. But the coach talks to the whole person, mm-hmm. not just the way the body is moving, but the whole person. That's what we want all of our coaches to be able to do. Yep.
0: And to a degree, what through what Jacqueline's speaking, we also want to be able to do that for ourselves.
1: Well, that's the idea. Now, yeah. now, now you rank yourself. Yeah. Remember we said critic or coach. Cool. Now that you're a coach, are you a cheerleader? Mm-hmm. Going, come on, you got this. Like, are you a cheerleader? Yep. Are you a trainer? Come on, push your knees out. Like yep. you, you hold the pace. Or are you... A coach speaking to your whole body, mm-hmm. understanding truly what is the best thing for you.
0: Yep. All right. Next question is from Shane. It's in our uh, eat category. If one prioritizes unprocessed foods and is careful about what they eat, do you think it's okay to have a weekly cheat meal with fast food and very processed foods? I've often felt a bit flat for the next couple of days after that. Am I undoing some of the good of being so disciplined the rest of the week?
1: Shane? Shane. Shane. Okay. So Shane has two questions in there. Yep. The first one, is it okay? Yep. Yes, it is. The second question: Am I undoing? Yes, yes you are. <laughs> yep. But both are okay. Yep. It's okay to undo. You don't have to live a perfect life. It's okay to undo it. I'm not going to say no. A cheat meal doesn't do anything. It does. Like a cheat meal is. If you if you do a cheat meal, it's it's not healthy. Mm-hmm. Like let's just call it what it is. Now it might be healthy, in the scope of the full picture, mm-hmm. right? This is the thing that helps me keep on track. It helps me be social. It helps me allowed to just cool. Then that's where it's okay. It can be okay. doesn't mean it's, um, that you actually get like, there is no insulin spike because it is the one thing. No. Mm -hmm. So you just have to figure out where this thing fits into the whole spectrum of it. And this is where it it becomes completely individualized. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you find Shane, that it's detrimental for three or four days, then I would say maybe the cheat meals don't need to be as big. Cheat days don't need to be as big. Um, And or try and go off them for a little bit and see how you feel that way. Mm -hmm. And you can also figure out how to do quote unquote cheats in different ways, Mm -hmm. right? You know, it could be, I'm getting acai bowls and parfaits and having, you know, um, some cereal as opposed to like, I'm going to TGI Friday's getting the Blooming Onion and going to Ben and Jerry's and getting the (laughs) Vermonster,
0: I like that you know what those are. <laughs> I have no idea what those are. You <laughs> don't know what those are? No. Really?
1: Yeah. I mean, oh, I know the bush so a blo- a blooming Says onion. The guy that, that lives in Maine and yeah. doesn't know I what a chain restaurant is.
0: Do you, have you found, I mean, you were, you've work, you worked with on in some capacity, like hundreds and hundreds of athletes now um, just through the gym. Have you found if you had to like, Put people on a spectrum. Have you found that people are are better off when they are really strict but have some cheat meals, or when they are really strict all the time, or when they're kind of like moderately strict? All like, is there anything that you've noticed? Maybe even with yourself, where the sustainably the sustainability play is fill in the blank, yeah. or is it really like? Different things work for different people, and I can't figure out why one works for one and one doesn't work for another.
1: I I wish I could give yep. the this is what I've seen, but the honest answer is it's everybody's different. Yep. It's the same type of thing. My wife and I, Heather, are polar yeah. opposites in terms of she could have like three clusters of granola and be like, "Mmm, that was yummy," and be like, "Good, good." <laughs> and you're like, "Whole box." <laughs> y- yeah, I have three <laughs> clusters, and I'm like, uh, I'm like, yeah. uh, and uh, so I just I do so much. And that's what allows her to stay clean the rest, like on all the other ones, because she knows she can have these little things. Whereas I am, if I go anything off the rails, it's like you let a a a, a gorilla on rabies and steroids out of the cage, and he's going to go destroy the whole city. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next one's from Edwin in our recover bucket. I think of that Rampage game. Like, do you remember that Rampage game when you were a kid, the arcade game, the gorilla that destroys the city? Like, he's like King Kong. And no, but I. Oh my God, that. you are. We got we got a lot. Of... We got
0: a living to do. We got a lot. Yeah, of living. We got a
1: lot of living to do. Go to, uh, go to TGI Fridays and play
0: Rampage. <laughs> go to the arcade, uh, Edwin. I've been thinking about recovery and the well-known fact that the, uh, that muscles need to rest between sessions for about 48 hours. This makes me a bit perplexed. CrossFit is so varied and works so many, uh, many muscle groups that it does not make sense to me. If I do a heavy leg day with squats and lunges on Monday, would I harm my recovery if the next day I train a long workout involving my legs? Or is it mainly the heavy strength training that requires a bit of recovery? Generally, I would say that every CrossFit session is in some aspect or does in some aspect involve my legs, for example. How would I go about thinking uh, about recovery in that case.
1: Uh, there's a. I'm trying to. Okay. There's the, he's he's right. Yeah. So it was like <laughs> yes. Like there is that principle of um, when you recover, you get stronger. Yep. It's the, you know, it's the adaptation principle where um, during rest is when you get stronger, and that's where it came from. And, yep. But it came from bodybuilding, mm. where you do one body part per day. Everyone knows like Monday's I chest day. Chest, yeah. yeah. Like Mondays were the best because you got to do chest day. No one <laughs> skips, no guys skip chest day and maybe yeah. girls go and do butt day or whatever <laughs> it is. Um, And you would trash the muscle so bad that yeah, you need to take the 48 to 72 hours afterwards. And that's the recipe for hypertrophy, yep. for muscle growth. And that is a really powerful recipe to get that. CrossFit's not interested in, that's not the goal. So Mm -hmm. we get as a side effect, but it's not the goal. We're a little bit closer to like swimmers. Mm -hmm. And wouldn't it be weird to Mm -hmm. go to swim practice on Monday and you show up on Tuesday and coach is like, all right, everybody in the pool. And you're like, whoa, 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 coach, coach, coach. I swam yesterday. Mm -hmm. I'll see you on Thursday. (laughs) Yeah. Right. It's because swimmers aren't trashing their muscles. They're using them mm. in a functional way to get from point A to point B. That's what we're doing. Now, caveat, asterisk, subtitle. <laughs> there are times that we trash ourselves. Yeah. We do Karen, we do 150 wall balls, and the next three days your legs are smashed. Yep. Yes, you're not supposed to go and do a bunch of lunges and squats following that. And this is where an elegantly programmed thoughtful, methodical program takes this into consideration. And it's a reason that we train movements, not body parts. So there's 10 different macro movements. It's things like upper body pulling and pushing, lower body, upper body pulling and pushing, um, ankle dominant, hip opening, hip closing, holds um, and so on. Mm -hmm. We want to, when we do a pulling motion one day, You'll, if, it, if you're following a good program, like Comp Train does, you would not see upper body pulling in a big... It also depends on load and intensity and volume dependent. But if we're going to do 150 pull-ups one day, you're probably not going to see 10 uh, legless rope climbs the next day. Mm-hmm. right? You're going to see something, if we use upper body, it'd be something like push-ups, mm-hmm. which is using the different... Movement plane, which then requires different muscles, so it allows you to continue to work, but not the exact same muscle groups and patterns, particularly if they got overworked the the days before.
0: Yeah, and that that I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that's always been when people misunderstand CrossFit, they see CrossFit as randomness, Mm -hmm. not variance. Yeah, what you're describing is variance. What people see
1: is like this is a cool thing we could dive into a lot, right? But, um, you're exactly right there, it's um. Yeah. Variance means it changes. Yep. It's not random at all. Well, I shouldn't say that. Maybe some people are cham- programming randomly. Hey, let's do Helen today. And tomorrow they're like, let's do Fran. And the next day they're like, let's do... I've had days of those. I've yeah. had days, of, yeah. Right. But if you, if you understand um, programming and the methodology behind it, I'll take some examples. So today in um, comp train and in our gym, CFNE, we did a workout called... Um, um, Practical Joker, mm-hmm. which was rowing, um, uh, deadlifts, and toe bar Cool. So when you're rowing, you're using your legs, right? When you're doing deadlifts, you're using your legs. When you're doing toes-bar, you're using your arms. Yesterday, we did biking and thrusters. When you're biking, you're using your legs. When you're thrusting, you're using your legs. When you're doing thrusters, you're using your arms. But the muscles you used in the thrusters are the opposite muscles that you use in a total bar. Mm-hmm. A total bar is an upper body pull where a thruster is an upper body push. When you're doing a uh, thruster, you're using your lower body, yes, but it's a squat dominant movement pattern, meaning you're using primarily quad, and then you're using in a pushing mash fashion. Whereas today, we did deadlift, you're using your legs, yes, but it's a pull, so you're using primarily posterior chain, hamstrings, glutes, and low back. So yes, you're using your legs, but if the program is set up appropriately, you get to ride this level of um frequency without overtraining
0: mm-hmm. Got it. Okay, we and yes, we could totally geek out on that yeah, for a while. That's uh, we'll mine. Leave it there. I
1: like fun. I like talking about stuff.
0: <laughs> Last question we've got in our warm up is in our connect bucket as it o- always is. Is from Stuart. How do you respond when a friend or coworker gives you advice like uh, that you don't agree with? Trying to be open minded and ask questions. However, sometimes I can't hold my tongue when somebody tries to quote unquote health educate others with dogmatic or incorrect advice, such as questioning fruit and vegetables, or argues that only gay meat is healthy.
1: Okay, there's. Um Two approaches to this, mm-hmm. two, two, two aspects to this question. The first one is, um, let them have it. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not wrong. They, they might, I should say, they might not be wrong, mm-hmm. right? Going with open mind, let's be curious, like that. I've learned a lot from having conversations where I didn't recognize my own blind blind spots and, or other times where I've been like, oh, dude, you're so wrong, you know, And then 10 years later, I'm like, <laughs> oh, gee." Now I understand that. So that's the first one is like, it's not about politicking. It's not about trying to debate to get your way. Like we don't need to do that. Instead, just ask questions. Like you truly, I mean, we talk about this a lot in this podcast, truly ask questions, being curious about why they think that. And maybe you'll end up learning something. And whether you learn something or not, the goal is not to try to convince them or certainly not get frustrated as they talk about it. So that's the first one is like, we don't need to try to convince people to come over to our side, mm-hmm. whatever that side might be. The next one is this understanding of health. And we were talking about this a little bit earlier. And when you have this framework, and let's do a whole podcast on this because it'd be really fun to talk about. When you have this framework, it really helps to kind of put things under, understand where people are coming from. Mm-hmm. And this framework is really simple. There's the five factors of health, how you eat, sleep, train, think, and connect. Well, each one of those, there's a behavior of those that will make you sick. There's a behavior that will make you well. And there's a behavior that will make you um, fit. So let's take the nutrition thing, right? Mm -hmm. So the nutrition one is if you eat ultra processed foods. Doritos and candy, which by the way, after getting back from Sweden, I think, I don't know if we talked about this, I, I, I was so shocked at what they eat for snacks that I looked up the, um, the most popular snack foods in America and it gave me a list of about 20, 16 of them are just legit candy, mm-hmm. Skittles, Twix, Snickers, Starburst. That's our snacks. Mm. That's, our, that's what we snack on. Then there was some things like Chex Mix and stuff like that, that weren't legit candy, but there was zero, zero, everything was ultra processed. Okay. So that, if you eat ultra processed foods, you're sick. So again, I just want to bring it back up again. You take the five factors and you put them on the spectrum from sick, well, to fit. If you eat ultra processed foods, you're going to be sick. If you eat processed foods, you're well. That sounds weird from this mm-hmm. podcast, but processed foods is like deli meats, you know, regular chicken you're buying from the supermarket, whole wheat breads, like those are all processed. Yep. Uh, then from there, if you eat, um, the the fit is if you eat clean. That's eating only produce and protein and all that stuff. Then you go in this conversation. You, the person goes, "Oh, they say that game meat is the only healthy." And you're like, "Okay, but what they're talking about is." Just put in the framework. What they're talking about is like moving somebody in your own, moving somebody from like the really, really good to the ultra really good, right? Mm -hmm. Because game meat is healthier than eating processed meats. And they go, fruits and vegetables are bad. And you go, okay, like that's a kind of strange thing to say. Does it fit my spectrum of where I believe in this? No, it doesn't. So I'm going to ask questions and try to figure out why they would think that, where are they getting that information from? You dig into that and you find out a little bit more about where this is coming from. It's like, that's, that's the way I approach this thing. It's like, does it fit into our framework? If it doesn't ask questions about it, if it does, then just go like, okay, but they're trying to talk about this. It's like the vegans versus the carnivores. Mm -hmm. They're both just trying to get people off of processed foods and we don't have to argue either side of it. Would you,
0: um, that you, we can do that in the, in the, the spectrum across the health. And I know that's what the question was, but we, there's lots of areas of life where that's sure it's yeah. not that yeah. or where I, where I think people struggle just as much as whether you're you're arguing about fruits and vegetables or who knows what else, right? Whether it's politics or whether it's Someone any says, number of other social things. media is a great. Yeah, exactly. Happened. Like all the what do you do in what do you do in that case when you don't have that kind of framework? I or what would you do?
1: I'm So what I would do, I'm always trying to, you know me, I'm trying to create a framework for everything.
0: (laughs) Right. So you were on the fly.
1: Yeah. So it's like, Oh, I don't know where this fits. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't have this in my, in, on my radar. So I need to know where this thing is. And if it sits outside of that, then either do I want to pull it in and put this as a, put this as a piece of the puzzle or I'm like, no, this piece does not fit. Mm -hmm. I don't want this in here right now. And I'm, um, It would be easier if we had a concrete example, if someone's like, um, you know, um, sniffing, you know, markers is like really healthy. (laughs) Like, okay, well, that's a health thing. I can't get out of the health thing, but that doesn't fit in the health framework. (laughs) Um, um, The war in the Ukraine Mm -hmm. is dot, dot, dot. Okay. Am I going to go like, do I want this in my framework of the life that I am leading and trying to go and try to get from where I want to be? Does it fit in here? Or is this a distraction? Yeah. And if it's a distraction, maybe I'll ask a couple of questions to make sure that it's a distraction as opposed to some, I'm going to pull in a couple of threads and go, can I work this in? Should this be worked in? No, this is, this is not going to get me to where I want to be. And you know you've said uh, pay attention to where your attention is going mm-hmm. if your attention is going to something that's distracting you from where you ultimately want to go you move on mm-hmm. you don't debate it so in this case vegetables are bad for you okay i'm going to ask a couple questions about that and if i realize it's not where going to help me get to where i want to go like i'm going to move on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just you kind of you you need to make sure We're moving the ball down the court. (laughs)
0: Right. All right. Speaking of moving moving the ball down the court, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to jump into our workout, uh, a listener question about how to find the right circle of people to surround yourself with. So stay tuned. This week's episode is brought to you by Timeline Nutrition. Head to timelinenutrition.com slash excellence to learn about their signature product, MitoPure. Which is the first product to offer a precise dose of urolithin A to upgrade your mitochondria function, increase your cellular energy, and improve your muscle strength and endurance. The fine folks at Timeline have been working on Mitopure for 15 years. And during that time, they've been busy conducting 11 human clinical trials and publishing over 300 studies of urolithin A, with more in. The pipeline. When you go to their website, you can get the details of all of this scientific rigor. You can read all about the randomized placebo-controlled clinical trial that they ran that showed a significant improvement in muscle strength after taking Mitopure for four months. Or another clinical trial that showed participants who took Mitopure for just two months showed a significant improvement in hand and leg muscle endurance when compared with participants in the placebo group. The point is, this stuff isn't just some fly-by-night supplement with iffy credentials. Timeline Nutrition is working hard to give your cells new life with high-performance products. They've got three products to do so. A berry powder you can mix into a smoothie or shake, a whey protein powder, and soft gels for those who like it quick and simple. To try it for yourself and to get 10% off your first order, head to TimelineNutrition.com slash excellence and use the code excellence when you're ready to purchase. Again, that's T I M E L I N E N U T R I T I O N dot com slash excellence. All right, we are back. We have a question from Victor. Victor says, uh, as I age, turning 30 soon, I feel it's more and more difficult to connect with like-minded people every day. I currently work in a company where no one is really into sports or health or fitness, but more into partying, which is fine, but not of uh, not in my interest, which makes it difficult to connect with people. I also don't have access to a CrossFit gym where I could potentially meet more people that might share uh, common interests. So I currently train in a Globo gym, which is a whole different atmosphere. Any tips on meeting like-minded people to create that important circle of relationships around you. I and I'll just say I I this I flagged this question cuz it's something I've been thinking about and I kind of wanted to chat with you about. So this is this is my excuse which is um the Surgeon General of the US probably like 2 months ago came out with a report that basically said and I should have pulled it up. I don't I don't have it right in front of me, but it effectively said that we are in the US we have an epidemic of loneliness. And you know, there's there's stats I think we talked about it with Dr. Wallinger but like loneliness is is roughly akin to like smoking some absurd number of cigarettes yeah, every crazy. day. And so it feel it strikes me as a really important conversation that affects our health. You know, we talk about connection all the time, but you know, it's it's one of those things that I think we're not doing a we're not doing a very good job of figuring out what to do about it. Right in the same way that we can make that argument about health broadly or fitness or nutrition and what I think I think the connection bucket feels like it's something we pay lip service to. Like, yeah, that's important, but based on the data, based on what people are seeing, based on I think our collective experience, like we haven't, there's not we don't have a solve for this yet. I think crossfit gyms are an amazing solve for it. But to Victor's point, we don't always have access to it, or we don't always have time to get there. We don't have the the, the money to get into one, right? So I just thought this was an interesting question, and maybe give us an excuse to talk about the importance of relationships and the dangers of loneliness, which is really what Victor's asking us about.
1: Yeah. I'll give, I'll give Victor a lot of credit too, because it's not that he doesn't have people around him. He has people around him that don't have the share, you know, don't speak the same truths. Yep. They don't have the same values. They don't, they're in the partying and doing the other things and he wants health and um, he understands the importance of, of surrounding yourself with those people that have the shared mm-hmm. values. That's pretty amazing. I'm a, I'm a really big believer that your environment is more likely to change you than you are to change your environment. Mm. And if you're in a bad environment, you got to get out. That's, that's just kind of the, 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 the truth of it.
0: Yeah. Or in Victor's case, maybe a neutral environment. Doesn't seem like it's maybe that bad, but it perhaps isn't that that good.
1: Correct. Yep. Yep. So how do you create an environment that, you know, it's our hundred words of health. Yep. How do you create an environment that makes it easy to move a lot, um, have deep connections, sleep, you know, and dot, 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 dot. And the environment matters a lot. Well, the environment, the most important aspect of environment is the people in it. And this is why we talk about connection as much as we do, you know, and Dr. Wallinger has talked about in terms of the relationship with smoking cigarettes. Um, you're more likely to be fat if your friends are fat than if your family is fat. Meaning, your friends dictate your health more than your DNA. Mm-hmm. It's it's absurd. It's an absurdly high number. You're like 171 percent more likely to be fat if your friends are fat. It makes total sense if your friends are going and you know drinking beer and having buffalo wings five nights a week, and they're just sedentary, and that's the way that they get together and share. Their, that's what's going to happen. We see the same thing in terms of people trying to get break addictions. They can break an addiction when they're in a new environment, they can put it back in their own environment mm-hmm. and the addiction resurfaces. It's more about the environment than it is the willpower or anything else. But there's this other aspect of not just being in an environment, but the actual true connection you have with people. And this is where the loneliness thing um, rears its ugly head. And, you know, we've never been more connected, but we've never been more isolated. Mm-hmm. And the connections that we have aren't necessarily real. Um, I, I don't believe that you need, um, you know, there's Dr. Wallinger's stuff as well has like, it talks about both the number of relationships, but also the deep meaningful ones. I'm just a huge believer in that you have to have the deep meaningful ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you have the deep, a few deep meaningful ones, situations like Victor's in don't affect you because it's neutral. But if you don't have that deep, meaningful relationship, things like Victor's thing drag you down. Yep. And I think that's why it's really important to make sure that you have, I'm going to give a, cause it's so elusive. It's so vague. It's so ambiguous. I think it helps to have like some sort of concrete way of knowing, like they try to do for everything, right? If you want to, how do I know I'm not doing enough exercise? Well, if you exercise for 30 minutes, three times a week, you're doing enough exercise. How do I know if I'm um, eating too many calories? If you're eating, you know, over. how do I know if I have enough water? If you you know, here's the way I would do it with the relationship side. And we'll talk in terms of like the CrossFit and all mm-hmm. that, like the, the workout and all that stuff as well. But I think it's really important to have someone in your life that you can hug for more than five seconds a day. Mm-hmm. If you have that, to me, because I can't do that with my bro. Like mm-hmm. just a, a guy like... I have so many friends at the gym, but I do like the guy thing, right? Like the high five slap with the back, you know, pull it in close in the back thing. That's not a five second hug. Mm -hmm. So that means I have an acquaintance and a friend, not a true deep, meaningful relationship. But I'm lucky enough to have my kids and my wife. Mm -hmm. And I'm lucky enough to have a couple best guy friends that I do hug for over five seconds. And to me, that's a really good, it's my own but to me, that's my litmus test of like, because you have to like trust that per- there has to be something behind that. Because yep. if you hug somebody um, for more than five seconds, it's it gets weird and awkward. Mm-hmm. Like if it's if it's weird and awkward, then it's not probably there. Now w- the way I think about this is, you don't need to hug that same person every day, but can can you hug someone every day for five seconds? Yep. And you know what? That's the power of having kids. Yep. Like you can truly. Re- I've never felt the connection I have with my kids that I have with anybody else. It's wild, right? And that's so powerful. I've heard other people talk about if you are missing purpose in your life, this is a weird thing. It's a weird suggestion. If you're missing purpose in your life, like you're lost, you know what to do? One of the more powerful things you can do is to have a kid Mm. because it immediately gives you purpose. Like- that seems like it's the last person that should have a kid, yeah. right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Now I'm not saying that that is the prescription, that is the recipe to fix that, but it's a tool mm-hmm. and it could do it. It just speaks to the magnitude of what that relationship is. And if you have a kid, it it's I don't want to say it's hard to be lonely because you're still not going to connect on the way that you need to connect with an adult as well. To me, if you have a child, a loved one and a friend that you can hug for five seconds a day that you see every day, we're probably doing pretty damn good in the connect bucket. Mm-hmm. As long as we're removing toxic people from the situation as well. Because if you are have a kid that you get along with really well, but your spouse is, you think is a, a, the devil and it's a toxic thing, well, now we're balancing those two things out. Actually, the only think we're about, if you have... I came across this recently as well. One person that's operating at a really high level of love is like, it equates the power of like 50 people Mm. that are in negative. That's how powerful that is. So I'm not going to say you, if you have a really good relationship with your kid, but a terrible relationship with your spouse, you're a neutral. I think you're net positive. That's why I don't think you need to have 50 of these really powerful relationships. Just two or three can really be incredibly impactful.
0: Mm. Um, I'm going to switch tracks just a little bit. Um, I have I have a little stat in front of me that I think is interesting. It says the percentage of men with at least six close friends fell by half since two, uh, 1990 from 55% to 27%. The study also found that the percentage of men without any close friends jumped from 3% to 15%, a five-fold increase. So between 1990- and I don't know when this is. 1990. 1990. Um, so, so let's assume in the that. the last 30 years. Yeah, exactly. Let's assume that. Yeah. And, and I bring that up, one, because I don't know if there's an angle of, of talking about men in particular. I do think that there's an, that something different about, as it relates to loneliness and friendship mm-hmm. between men and women. Not between men and women, but men and women seem to have slightly different experiences here. I think about my wife. She's got 10 good friends from various stages in her life. Um, that she's been able to to collect and maintain, and she still talks to them and, and all this. And for me, it's all it's far more difficult. Yeah. And I don't have that. Like she's got friends from high school, and I don't know anybody from my school anymore. Right. And and obviously that's individual and it, it kind of dependent. But I do think that, that that as men, it is harder. And I haven't quite figured out why. I haven't quite been able to put kind of put my finger on what about it is harder or why it's harder. But I'm curious your thoughts on, on that. Cause what you just said, the, the five second hug, the first thing, and the reason I found that stat is like, that's going to be re- That's hard. Unless you have kids and a yep. wife like that, yep. that's easy. I I'll find somebody else, yep right? That becomes
1: harder. Okay. So let's start with like, why, why is it? And it's built into your biology. Mm-hmm. It, it, it really is from the vast majority of the human Existence, the job of the man was to go out and uh, essentially be a, a warrior, a, a protector, and a provider. That's what the job was. It, um, fight off invaders, go out, uh, kill some game, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Provide for the family and protect the family. Um, that didn't require high levels of uh, emotional sensitivity. It didn't. It certainly didn't require, it, it, vulnerability was at the opposite of what was needed there. Mm-hmm. And showing vulnerability, again, just understand what that is. Vulnerability is showing weakness. Mm-hmm. And if you showed weakness, which by the way, vulnerability is also the thing that creates trust yep. and creates closeness. Yep. It's the thing that as a warrior, you're, the first thing you're told not to do is never show weakness. Never. So that's where that came from on the female side, their roles were to keep um, like, have your pulse on the tribe and um, create strong bonds and connections. That's what their roles were. So once you have that prism of how to kind of like understand where we are right now, it's built into females now today that this is, it's kind of just part of their DNA and their makeup that they want their social beings. Where we are more isolated beings, and we're not, we're not, on a deep biological level, um, showing vulnerability and getting close to people is not what we do. Mm-hmm. So it is more challenging, one hundred percent. And I think it speaks to the same. I don't think we're we're the, the rare exceptions uh, where we don't have lots of friends from high school. There's a number of um, different groups it's really interesting when you were reading that statistic, those, how those statistics have dropped in terms of number of friends and risen in terms of zero friends. Yeah. I was at my, um, my uncle's celebration of life a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago yeah. and, you know, he died at 75. So, um, you know, he grew, was born in the, uh, late fifties, kind of grew up in the, yeah. as a teenager in the seventies and eighties, had a young family in the nineties, which is where, where you're talking about. Yeah. And, I was shocked at the amount of, you know, my dad gave um, one of the speeches at the Celebration of Life. He said, you know, most people are lucky to have, you know, three or four, five, six close friends. That's what most people are really lucky to have. I know I'd feel lucky for that. Um, Jack had five or six close groups of Mm. friends. You know, he had people that he went camping with, he had people I went biking with, he had, he was a lawyer. So he had his law group. He had people that he, um, did, uh, cross country skiing with. It was all of these different groups of friends. And I think that's uh, also a generational thing. I think that I don't know anybody like that now. Yeah. I don't know anybody that, and really that, I mean, they were all, they all, at least one person from each of these groups got up and talked and they all talked like they were his best friend. And, Man, at my eulogy, I'd be pumped if five or six people got up—not representing groups, but five or six people yep. total—got up and said, "This is how well I knew this guy."
0: Yep. That's fascinating. He sounds like a, he sounds like a, he was a good guy. Um, it leads me to think, though, that it leads me to think about priorities. And kind of when I when I introduced this question, why I thought it was interesting is like I think we're not doing a good job. You know, I think you and I talk about the five factors all the time, but we will always admit that the point of the five factors is so that you can see across these five and say, where am I not mm. stacking up here? Where is Where are my weaknesses? Back to even that spectrum yeah. you, you alluded to uh, earlier, which is like, yeah, training's good, eat clean, I got plenty of sleep, I'm a, I'm a coach right. to myself. And then there's that fifth one, that right. connect bucket, and I even put it last in our list. Right? Not on, not on purpose because it tends to be the one that right. we push off to the side because it takes time, because relationships are messy, because sometimes they disappoint you, because you have a job and you've got to pay for a mortgage, and sometimes it's just, and you got the kids, and there's just sometimes not time to go out like you used to when you were in college and spend three hours. I just my wife always makes fun of me, but like. Before kids when we were still in the city, I would go to the gym for like two and a half hours a day and I wasn't training for two and a half hours I was I was there but I was there because that's where all my friends were right. And I was like that's that's where my happy place was and I know that there are periods of crosswind England but like this place was just like your happy place and um, and so we end up deprioritizing this one thing. but you read the good life by Waldinger and it is the it is the linchpin to a happy and healthy long life. We we talk about kicking ass into our 90s all the time, but when I know what people hear when when we say that, it's I want to be able to do thrusters. I want to be still to be able to do a pull up, right? Like so, I'm gonna I'm gonna eat clean. I'm gonna. But when we kick ass into our 90s, it's because to your uncle's credit, we've got circles of people who look out for us and who we look out for, and who we reach out to and who we make the priority, even though it's difficult and 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 especially now, there are so many distractions. And they're easy and convenient distractions that stand in the way of our doing the inconvenient but valuable thing of, hey, you wanna like you wanna go out next Wednesday night? Like, yeah, I've got to get a babysitter, I've got to do all these. But that 90 minutes is worth is is more valuable in the short and the long term than the Netflix show that you're probably gonna watch. But yeah, Netflix is right in front of you and it's a lot easier. So I don't really have a I don't really have a question there, except that no. hearing like Jack didn't accident, you know, Uncle Jack didn't accident his way into six groups of close friends. At some point, he realized this is bringing an immense amount of value to my life. Yeah. And how do I make sure I nurture that? How do I make sure that I don't lose sight of that as I, as he's probably a successful lawyer, as I as my career grew, as my family grew, as I moved, as whatever. Um, he made sure that he kept it as a priority.
1: Yeah. Uh, I- I think under it's such a good highlight, Patrick, in making sure that this is not the four factors and four B.
0: Right, <laughs> right.
1: This is exactly. the five. This is the five factors, and here's a really, I think, a really powerful way to think about this. Uh, I, just a handful of years ago, um, none of these factors were associated with health. Yep. Like zero, it was it was luck of the draw. Yep. It was honestly, it was like, oh, she got that disease. Oh, he, da, 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 da. Yeah. And then all of a sudden people were like, well, you know, maybe exercise and maybe nutrition matter in terms of health. It sounds crazy for us to even think that, of course, it's just, it's just yeah. for this community, it's- For us, it's assumed at this point. It's assumed. Yeah. That was not yeah. that long ago.
0: Yeah.
1: And when we're talking- just There like, was a day that Richard Simmons was not a thing and oh. then he became a thing. So there was no, if you- exercised if you exercised in the 50s you were a weirdo that was that was it you were like and then all of a sudden you're seeing anchor man it's like yeah. they're doing this new thing called jogging jogging yeah what is it it's the <laughs> way you just go for a run and yeah. just keep running it's like, <laughs> weird yep so and it was only i looked this up a while ago so i'm gonna get the numbers wrong but even in the 1970s i think there was less than a thousand gyms in the united states total mm. like it, it, there Total, there wasn't a thousand gyms in the United states so going to one was a very strange thing and then there's the exercise boom in the 80s but even then it was about looking better mm-hmm. people didn't understand it was about it was about lose weight to try to look better in a bathing suit or build muscles to try to look better naked it's like that's what the intention was and it really wasn't this is a weird thing until like the late 90s early 2000s if you're like no this is this improves your health mm-hmm is that weird? It's very weird. And then even still today, some doctors don't believe it. Same thing with nutrition. Nutrition had zero correlate to your health for a very, very long time. And even today, some people believe it doesn't affect it. Dr. Stanford, who is a PhD at Harvard and is part of the Biden administration that sets health policies, says what you eat does not affect how fat you get. Mm. It's not about eating. It doesn't matter. She says it's all about brain chemistry that you're born with. Are you like, like right now, really smart people still don't believe nutrition has to do with health. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. But we're catching up yep. now, just in the last five years, people are, and once, once in our community, we go, what if, of course the people, like, once you accept it as a norm, it's hard to imagine it not being, but now people are understanding sleep, but sleep, lack of sleep used to be a badge of honor for a long time. Like it used to be a cool thing. Like I only sleep five hours a night. Like I'm Elon Musk told you that that he said, that's how you get ahead.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This was his recipe for being a better businessman and now people are understanding sleep. Well, now people are starting a little bit to understand this think thing, right with meditation and mindfulness and maybe this has something to do with health. And they're also just maybe starting to understand your relationships and getting into nature matters as well. But it's just this is so at the forefront that it's not even in forget about mainstream conversation. It's on in anyone's conversation. Mm-hmm. But I promise you in three or four decades, it will be mm-hmm. just like everyone accepts that exercise and just everyone that accepts food is it's just that we've been a little bit on the forefront of this thing. And it's why it's still on the outside. People go like, "Yep, yeah, got to make time to sleep. Got to make time to eat right. Got to make time to go to the gym. And yeah, there's that relationship thing yep. that, you know, Ben and Patrick talk about. Yep. Yeah. But, 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 but we'll get to that when it gets to it. It might be number one, mm-hmm. like in terms of when they you know, the good life in the Harvard study says it is number one. So I'm not gonna put all my eggs in one basket, but it might be the number one. Yep. I just don't think there is one one. It's got it's it's the balance across them all. And this is, you know, going back to that sick, well, fitness continuum, you can map everything on that continuum. So think of the bell-shaped curve on one side of the bell-shaped curve. On the lower left-hand side, you have sickness. In the top of the curve, you have wellness, and on the other side of the curve, you have fitness. You can map all things associated with health on that spectrum. And people know real easy, the doctors know this. Like when you go there, they take your resting heart rate. Okay, if your resting heart rate is a hundred, you're sick. If your resting heart rate is 75, you're well. They don't talk to you about anything. If your resting heart rate is 50, they're like, whoa, are you a triathlete? Are you a exercise? Is your heart rate always? You're fit. Same thing with fasting glucose. If your fasting glucose is 110, you're sick. If your fasting glucose is 90, you're well. If fasting glucose is 70, you're healthy. We can do this with your deadlift. Can you deadlift half your body weight? If you can't deadlift half your body weight, you're sick. You can't perform everyday function. Deadlift one times your body weight, you're well, two times your body weight, you're fit. Here's the awesome part. You can do this with the five factors. We already talked about with food. Mm -hmm. If you eat ultra processed food, you're sick. If you eat processed food, you're well. If you eat clean food, you're fit. Now, if you do that with relationships, let's do that. If you have Toxic relationships in your life, you're going to be sick.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's that's a shame, but guess what? If you have friends and acquaintances, like coworkers that you get along with, and um, people that you talk to on social media and text, you're well. You're doing fine. You're not. If you have those people that you love, meaning the people that you can hug for over five seconds, you're doing. Well, you're fit, you're fit. Oh, not well, mm-hmm. you are fit.
0: Mm-hmm. You fit.
1: Now, here's the way to take this. Now, you also do that with think and you can put it on the, you know, um, victim, optimist, warrior mindset. You do that with sleep. You do it five, seven, nine hours. And here's the idea is we want to be on the right side of that spectrum on all five factors. It's not how far you go in any one of them. You don't get extra credit for being, able to do a whole bunch of uh deadlifts and pull-ups and run fast if you have toxic relationships Mm -hmm. you want to be on this side on the right hand side of that bell curve in all categories and the goal is move all of them to the well category once you get them all to the well then if you want to go chase some of the things over that way Mm -hmm. totally cool but you're not doing yourself any services by eating you know you know everything out of your garden and, um, um, you know, training for the CrossFit games. If you have toxic relationships, Mm -hmm. you're much better backing off on those two things and bring your relationships up. That is how you get to well.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Wrapping this up back to Victor's question. Anything you, you, any advice given, you anything we just talked about, you know, his question was any tips on meeting like-minded people, uh, that create that important circle of relationships. To me, the big takeaway just from thinking about this is, is it only happens when you decide to make it a priority.
1: Mm, exactly. Right. So if it, if you're going to make it a priority, what would be a suggested actionable for Victor?
0: Um... I mean, in in one, I mean, he said this in his questions, I currently work in a company where there's no one into sports, health and fitness, where you work is a choice you make. Might not feel like it might feel like I have to be here because it pays me X, Y, and Z. But uh, in the, if you look at work with an abundant mindset, you start to recognize that Mm. there is work everywhere. Mm. And we live in an incredible time that work is, Mm. can be everywhere. And that can be a bad thing, but it can also be everywhere. And that can be a good thing. Mm -hmm. And so if like we've talked about before if you spend a good amount of your time at a place and that and that place is creating an environment that is pulling you in one direction and it's not pushing you in the direction you want to go it's a choice every day you wake up and you decide to go back there doesn't mean it's an easy choice to to make hard choice it's a very hard choice yep. but it is a choice that you can start to make you can but make a different is, one life is
1: the good life is made up of hard choices
0: exactly and you can you can make a choice that if maybe doesn't put you in a place where you're surrounded by the right kind of people puts you in a context in which you know one of his things is I don't live near I don't have access to a CrossFit gym okay that means you've made a choice about where you're working and and the place in which you live so that you can work in that job a lot of CrossFit gyms out there. There are a lot of places you can move to that would give you the kind of life that would allow you to prioritize friendships that you probably already have or family that you probably already have, but you're maybe too far away to see them. Okay, well, that's a, now again, that's a choice you can make. You can find a job mm. somewhere closer to that. You can find a job somewhere that's maybe it's in a city so that you can be surrounded by people, right? Like there's any, yeah. there's an infinite amount of things that once you recognize that where you work is a choice, how you work is a choice. Again, it can be a difficult choice to change, but it. But to me, thinking about the five factors is to are is it and to try to equally weight across all five. Doesn't it's not going to be easy to do that. Hmm. It's not going to be easy to go across that sp- and say, okay, I got to move this one up there. It's not easy to to increase how much you're sleeping. It's not easy. It's it's more expensive. It's more time consuming to cook your own food, right? Like all of these things as you move across that spectrum, go from easy and convenient. And empty to hard and inconvenient and filling. Yep. And that includes work. That includes where you live. That includes the people you're currently surrounding yourself with. You could stay there and you can you can continue down that road where that's pointing you and you know where that's pointing you. Or you can take a you can put your big boy pants on and say, it is my responsibility to put myself in a place where I am the healthiest.
1: Man, I love that. I love you started with this. Um abundance mindset. That's phenomenal. You know, the greatest, I believe the greatest thing we can aspire towards is, I shouldn't say the greatest, one of the great things we should be aspiring towards is freedom Mm -hmm. and not necessarily freedom from, which I think freedom from prosecution, freedom from injustices, freedom from um, slavery, freedom from a whole bunch, but freedom to And the freedom to really is singular. It's the freedom to choose. Mm It's what you're talking about. I think that we inherently kind of operate from a, I think it's difficult to operate from that abundance mindset because we feel like we're kind of stuck where we are. But we're not a tree. Yep. If you don't like where you are, make the hard choice to move. Yeah. The second thing I would say is encourage a bias towards action. Cause it's so easy to sit and kind of wait for something to happen as opposed to doing again, the hard thing, which is, um, okay. There's not a CrossFit gym near you start one. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean find a building and a lease and nope. buy a rogue rig and all that stuff. But like go online and go, you know, you're at a global gym, like, um, go, Hey, I'm working out at this Globo gym at this time. Anyone would go in the back parking lot with me and do grace tomorrow?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not saying that's the right suggestion, but it's a bias towards action. Yes. Better than sitting on your hands and going like, when is this going to change? Yeah. All right.
0: We're going to leave it there.
1: Uh, Victor, great question. I'm glad that you're aware enough to- Yes. Um, Recognize it. That yeah, like, exactly yes. right.
0: And now the to yeah. your point, now it's do something about it. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, We're going to be back in just a minute with a new shout out and a recommendation roundup where we'll share a few things that we have been enjoying. So stay tuned. All right, we are back. This is our shout out where we take just a minute to uh, read a comment, a YouTube uh, a YouTube comment or a review from Apple Podcasts or a note that Ben and I have gotten, uh, mostly as a way to just say thank you for continuing to uh, engage with us in this way. This is from Sophie. She sent me this note on Instagram. Just over three years ago, I sent in, I, I love this message. Just over three years ago, I sent in a message uh, with a question on finding joy and happiness in a career which I did not enjoy. I told you about my career as a registered critical care nurse and my lifelong dream of becoming a firefighter. Ben's all those years ago really helped me stay in nursing to pay for life and to help pay towards investments into my dream. I continue to grind and every day I worked towards this goal. I never gave up. I never doubted my dream and certainly never lost the faith. Well, it's with a full heart that I wanted to let you know that I finally got accepted into fire school hmm. uh, and next year I'll be a firefighter. I'm hanging up my scrubs for life and I'm never looking back. The news only finding out about this a week ago still hasn't quite hit me and I'm still pu- uh, punching myself. I think maybe pinching myself, <laughs> punching <laughs> myself. Um, I'm still punching myself thinking uh i'm about to wake up maybe it's punching yourself (laughs) i'd like to thank you for chasing excellence uh, as your as your message really is truly appreciated by myself and i'm sure others can echo that heck yeah um and when i checked in whether she was like midway through um firefighter school i don't know if that's what they call it uh uh, firefighter training um and she said it was going great
1: amazing love it up
0: sophie and by now she is uh likely fully in into the new life so awesome uh all right uh our cool down we are going to do a recommendation roundup where we uh spend a couple minutes talking about what we've been enjoying watching reading listening to partaking in you want to go first you you go first you want me to, okay so i'm going to this actually i hadn't thought about this before you mentioned it but the 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 jogging um a lot of that this was new nike thing called jog was was because of nike uh, and because of uh phil knight and there's a movie that just came out with ben affleck oh, and matt damon this. called air that was really really good I it's know. on amazon okay, prime g- i just get my kids with-
1: watch it i heard there's a lot of f bombs is or is it oh, okay gosh.
0: I don't remember if there's a lot of swears. Then it's probably asses. not. There's it's probably It wasn't, I don't think it was so much that I'd be like, yeah. oh yeah, no, don't do that.
1: Cause I looked it up. I was like, Is, would yeah. this be appropriate for kids?
0: There was nothing other than maybe a couple curse words. There was nothing in there that All would right, be All right, I'm gonna watch
1: it. Cause that's what I've been, yeah,
0: yeah, great. So it's called Air. I found it on Amazon Prime, though you can probably find it elsewhere. Um, so that's one. What was the, again, I should have thought of this before, but I'm just thinking about it. I never think about this until like, we have to talk about what we've been enjoying. What was the movie that I had sent you I, I was like, hey, you and your kids would like this. It was the sailing movie. Do you remember what that was oh. called?
1: Oh, um, I can find. Dang. it. Dang, I don't. But maybe look it up while well. um, you give yeah, me one. She had a, a look it she up. had a pink boat. She sailed yep. around. It was a real life story. Yep. She was Australian. She was the first,
0: like the youngest solo sailor. Yeah. She was Australian. Uh, nuts. Yeah. I'll find it. You give me give me something, and then I'll I'll okay. yell when I find it because I've got to Google it. <laughs> it's on Netflix. So anyways, that movie was good. Yes.
1: We enjoyed that movie as well. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited to watch air. Um, okay. I, uh, recently have read two books and I went through a big drought where I couldn't find a good book for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, the last, it's so fun when you read like true spirit, there it is. All right. True spirit. On Sailing movie. It's really That's a good, a good family. It's good, and
0: yeah, my kids loved it. Yeah. Yep.
1: Um, it's weird how this happens. Like you go through like a long time not being able to find a good book and then you read a couple of good ones in a row and I'm in a good s- spot right now. Um, the first one is uh, 10X is Easier Than 2X, mm. just came out. Uh, Benjamin Hardy and uh, Jim uh, something Sullivan, who wrote, who's a founder of Strategic Coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really, it, uh, there's a lot of like profound takeaways from mm. it. Um, and it's mostly about how to shift your mindset. And the idea is Dan Sullivan, Dan Sullivan. Thank you. Um, the idea is two X is about how do you get to two X? You just have to work harder. Mm -hmm. That sucks. (laughs) Right. And if you're, if you, but if you have the concept of going 10 X, you have to fundamentally change the way you're approaching everything. And 10 X is easier than two X. It's really neat. There's a lot of cool things in it. Um, so that was one. Got that. Yep. And the second one is, uh, I'm probably gonna get his name wrong, but it's the almanac of Naval, Naval Ravikant. Yes. Yep. Have you read it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. I really liked it <laughs> yeah. a lot. So the the
0: it's yeah it's called the it's called uh, the almanac. I, mean, of I can't Naval believe you suggest that to me. I did years and oh, years ago. Yeah, when I first read it, I, oh wow, and and I just made of the name of it. No, oh, I made fun. Yeah, because um, it's so a weird name. It is, he's he he's a fascinating guy. Yeah, look him up. Um, but the book was. I just think it's fascinating. The book was written by a guy who. I don't know that he had permission when he started. He got permission as he was writing it, but he he went in and he started just like pulling all of the interviews and all the Twitter f- Twitter threads and started to like collect it and organize it and put it together. I just love that as an example of like um, there's this phrase out there uh, um, called permit, the, he was a permission permissionless apprentice, which is just this fascinating uh, uh, concept by uh, his name is Jack Butcher, who runs something called Visualize, uh, Visualize Value. Anyways, the point is like we live in an era now where you don't need permission to add value to somebody's life, to add value to the world. Uh, and so often we've been taught to like, wait your turn. And when you, when I give you permission, go, you can go do that thing. And at least as the beginning of this, that project was completely permissionless. He's just like, I'm going to start doing this. I think it's valuable. And it's, it's, it's a bestseller. It's like, it's wildly. And the book is amazing. So It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So the next one is I got a couple books. One is his name is, uh, author is Lewis Burgess. It's called Wanting the Power of Mimetic Desire in Everyday Life. What
1: was that word? M-
0: mimetic Desire. What don't is that? I not know what that? this was either. So, mimetic desire is the concept that we don't want what we want because of some like inherent thing mm-hmm. in us and like uh, some inherent thing in that but we want what we want. We learn what we want by seeing what other people want and then we want that thing. Oh my God. It's fascinating. Yes. It's a really, really interesting idea and a really, really powerful idea to get yourself to understand, like, why am I attracted to fast cars? Why do I want new, like fa- like 17 pairs of nobles? Like whatever it might be. The, the argument of the book, the argument of like the, the, is that we're translating what other people want and we're, taking that that and putting it in ourselves because we want not what I see they want, how that but we want be, to be what I they I can see
1: how that would be uh, beneficial from a survival mechanism, right? Like that's how you, that's the quickest way to learn. Like that person wants those berries. Like yeah, I should want those berries. There must be something ber- good about those berries. Right, yeah. It that makes a lot of evolutionary sense.
0: that's fascinating. So that's called Wanting the Power of mimetic Desire in Everyday Life. And then the second one is called How to Begin, uh, Start Doing Something That Matters. And this is actually by, I've mentioned him a few times, uh, Michael Bungay Stanier. He wrote The Coaching Habit and The Advice Trap. And this is, I think, his third book. Um, But it's a really interesting kind of step-by-step process to figure out what he calls, like we figure out what... Uh, your worthy goal is. So figuring out like what like what do you have to figure out in order to construct what a worthy goal is? And he's got some ingredients like this is a worthy goal. I think it's like, is it daunting? Is it thrilling? And there's a third ingredient that I'm blanking off the top of my head. But like, okay, so that. And then each kind of chapter, each kind of section of the book is like, okay, take the next bit of that, the the next piece of the process of uh achieving that worthy goal. What does that look like? What does that look Mm -hmm. like? Really good. I thought it was a really nice kind of step, step from what a lot of people do is just like big, hairy, audacious goal. And this book was like, cool, make sure you have designed the right kind of goal. And then here are the steps that often get in or the barriers that often get in the way and the steps around those barriers. Cool. Great. Thanks everybody out there for listening. Thank you for your ratings and your reviews big thing. If you've got questions, you want to get into the queue, find me on Instagram, drop me a DM, PS Cummings. Uh, I would love to get a whole bunch of new questions so that Ben and I can tackle this as we get through the summer and beyond the summer into the fall. So again, find me on Instagram, PS Cummings, drop me a DM. I promise you I'll get into our list and into a future episode. Thank you in advance for doing that. Okay. Ben and I will be back next week for another episode
1: of Chasing Excellence.